Welcome to Lake Mount Worship Center, connecting you to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We hope that you are blessed and inspired by today's message. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but let's, let's go for it. You guys ready? Thank you. All right. Everybody grab a Red Bull. Let's go. All right. Grab your Bibles. Go with me to Acts chapter 11. And uh, what I want to do today, we've been digging into this series on becoming an Antioch church. And uh, just what that means is that in the book of Acts, uh, when God poured out his spirit on the church on the day of Pentecost, that was in an upper room in Jerusalem. And the church, by, uh, by intention and design, contained that outpouring uh, into, in Jerusalem proper and amongst Jewish people exclusively. And they, they kind of just had a distorted view of how this new uh, covenant was going to be poured out and, and administrated, even though Jesus had said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. And so God was gracious, poured out his spirit on all flesh. There was this receptivity in the church in Jerusalem, but God decided to move the needle and get the church growing. And so we've been looking at how he did that. There was an epicenter shift in the book of Acts to the city of Antioch, which was a, a church in modern-day Turkey, and these believers were uh, reaching out to people who didn't look like them, sound like them, uh, weren't raised like them, and we're here as a direct result of their obedience. And that church, the Bible says, had the evidence of God's grace on it. It says that the hand of the Lord was with that church. And that church just began to flourish and grow. And it was just a, a powerful move of God. And so uh, what I want to do is just remind us that what we're praying into is that the grace that was on them then and there would come upon us here and now. And uh, today what I want us to take a look at, and why, why this matters, why I'm reiterating that, is because I just want to collect everybody that maybe is joining us for the first time in a while today, but I also want to just keep driving this nail that we have a picture in scripture of a church in revival, not just, you know, not just powerful anointed individuals, but a church that was moving together in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the church in Antioch was flourishing under fivefold ministry. That's the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. And they were not doing the ministry for the people. They were equipping the people for the ministry. And so that's what we're believing for. There's a great picture of revival. What I want to do is to try to fly through the, uh, the early events that precipitated what God was doing in Antioch. And I wanted to kind of whet your appetite over the last few weeks looking at what God was doing in that church. But then I want us to look at the small beginnings. And uh, the, the pro God said through the prophet of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah said, don't despise the day of small beginnings. And often God is doing something big in something that to the naked eye seems insignificant and small. And so we need to get our faith adjusted to what God might be doing in our lives. I have, I have news for you. God's working in your life right now. And he's working in ways that maybe you don't perceive, but our job is to develop perception. And our job is, you know, God says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Develop perception so that we can partner with what it is that God's doing. And, and God doesn't always start with a bang. And so I want us to just take a look. We're going to go into Acts chapter 11. What Acts chapter 11 is, the latter half is where we've been centered for the last number of weeks looking at the church in Antioch. The beginning half is Peter, the Apostle Peter, explaining his actions to the church council in Jerusalem. The, that was the current epicenter until God started moving in Antioch. 
And he's explaining his actions of everything that happened in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, there was a centurion named Cornelius. And Cornelius, a Roman centurion would be like a, a modern-day member of parliament, to make an analogy to us here in Canada, be like having a, a member of parliament, someone that is, you know, uh, in a political leadership role uh, in a party that opposes God. That's who Cornelius was. And, um, and God sent an angel to Cornelius' house, and the angel says to Cornelius, you, he, gave, listen, he gave Cornelius the Apostle Peter's address and said, go find this guy. You need to hear from him. Now, just pretend you've heard that for the first time. I think that's really cool. Like God's just like, he says to this guy, you need to hear from that guy. So I just want you to know, God will send an angel. He will give dreams. He will work supernaturally to provoke an awakening in somebody. But angels don't preach the gospel. We do. God didn't send an angel. I mean, God goes to the trouble of sending an angel and say, Cornelius, you need to go hear from Peter. Why? Because the great commission is given to you and me. It's given to people. The angel didn't preach the gospel. He said, you need to hear someone who does preach the gospel, even though Peter was somewhat reluctant. And so if you're familiar with the story, Peter has this vision that God takes him into. And uh, actually, Acts chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, about noon the following day. So God's given a dream and a vision to Cornelius. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And God gave him a vision that moved him outside of his comfort and, and sent him to Gentiles, to, to people that didn't look and sound like him. I just want you to catch this. One of the biggest shifts in church history happened because lunch was late. Don't despise small beginnings. Peter was waiting on a sandwich. And when it took a while... Instead of play, playing bubble blaster or scrolling Instagram or wasting time, he went to prayer and God began to speak. I mean, if, we, if that's all we get, just make available moments to God that seem like throwaway moments. Give God every moment. And when Peter, waiting on lunch, went into the place of prayer, God interrupted in a huge way. He's just thinking, you know, he's kind of praying over the meal and Lord, hurry it up, I'm hungry. And God begins to speak. He sees this profound vision. And he gets into an argument with God. God shows him, you know, bacon and, and sausage and show, shows him all this delicious stuff. And Peter's like, oh, no, thanks, God. Um, I don't eat stuff like that. I'm Jewish. I don't eat unclean things. And God's like, don't call unclean what I've called clean. And then God lets down the bacon and sausage again. Amen, Amen right? This, uh, this a word for somebody. <laughs> and Peter argues again. Oh, no, thanks, God. I don't eat stuff like that. Thank you very much. And so what you start to realize is that Peter's arguing with God, and it's not just, I don't eat stuff like that. I don't touch unclean stuff like that. But it's code language for, I know who I will talk to and who I won't talk to. And there's an, an, a flawed thinking in Peter that God, you think the way I think. And so I think you're testing me and I'm passing the test. And it happens three times. 
I got a news flash for you. When you get in an argument with God, God always wins. And so he lets down this unclean food, and Peter's disputing it, saying, oh, no, I've never done anything like that. I just, you know, if this is a test, I win. I've never done anything that gross in my life. And God's like, it's not gross. And then people from Cornelius' house come knocking on the door, and they say, hey, we have this centurion, you know, over in Caesarea. It's a bit of a walk, um, but... This angel came and told him to come get a guy named Peter. Are you Peter? And he's like, yeah. You're supposed to come with us and and share some news with us. Peter's like, oh, maybe this is the bacon dream. (laughs) I don't have time to go into it, but if you, in your own devotion, read read Acts chapter 10. Like the way Peter starts out his message is like a, a clinic in how not to start out a message. He literally, he goes, into, he goes into this Roman guy's house and there's a crowd of people sitting there like, this guy's hungry for God. And he's waiting for the messenger that the messenger from heaven told him, go get this guy. And so Peter walks in. They bow down in front of Peter and he's like, no, 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 I'm just a guy. Don't do that. And then he's like, the God whom I serve, you know, I've served him my whole life and I normally don't talk to people like you. But he told me to come. But I don't know why. Why did you send for me? That's how he starts his message. Why am I here, you gross people? <laughs> Literally. Like, I don't hang out with people like you, but I'm here because God said. I don't want to be here, but God told me to. Wow. How to win friends and influence people. The Apostle, Paul, Apostle Peter edition. He preaches the gospel to him. Acts 10 talks about the gospel message that he preaches to them. To them. And then get this. While he's still preaching, Acts 10, 44, while he's still preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on them. And they begin to speak in other tongues. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Peter's like, I'm not done yet. I didn't get to my third point. The Holy Spirit comes on him. And Paul is, you know, the alternate title to this message would would be catching up with the Holy Spirit. Because then Peter's like, I guess we should water baptize these guys. Like, if they can get baptized in the Spirit, I suppose water baptism couldn't hurt. Right, guys? High five. And they water baptize them. And then go home. And so Acts chapter 11 is, uh, let's just go there. Acts 11.1. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, or in other words, get this, born-again Pharisees. Pharisees who got saved. (laughs) Criticized him. And they said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Okay, so... Peter's obedient to go to Cornelius' house. He preaches. People get filled with the Holy Spirit. They get saved. And there's a revival. And the news starts to spread. And it's not all positive. Sometimes the favor of God on your life doesn't always make you popular. That's a North American idea. Okay? And leadership isn't always heading in the direction that everybody wants to go. If as a leader you're taking people in the direction where they all want to go, you're probably just following from the front. But God was leading, and Peter was obedient. And then when he's obedient, like he doesn't, he doesn't check with the committee first. 
He gets a word from God and he steps out because a word from God will give you conviction. And then when, you're, when there's conviction in your heart, you need to be obedient. He didn't check with the committee. He just went and did. And so then he, he goes and he comes back and they're like, you went. Like there's a people that identify themselves as the circumcision group. What a fun group. <laughs> like I don't even know, like, sorry. I don't know how they knew all the time. Like how does this come up in conversation? You know, like, hey, Ralph, pass the salt. By the way, um, are you circumcised? <laughs> No? Well, you can't come to my life group, you know. They, they made a big point of, of having, you know, opposition to this Jewish tradition. So here's the deal. You get, you get a window into why the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was being somewhat contained. Because the, the people were, they were prejudicial in their mindset rooted in convictions that, like, there's no bonus points for having conviction and heading the wrong direction. Well, I meant well, and God's like, yeah, but you disobeyed me. Yeah, but we all thought the same thing. It's like, no extra marks for that. It takes courage to hear God and move in the direction of his voice. And so Peter comes and he testifies to them, first of all, about how much he didn't want to do it. That's the first part of his message to the leaders in Jerusalem. Like, trust me, guys, I understand why you're upset. I didn't want to go to Caesarea either. I don't want to go to a a centurion's house. (laughs) But then they got filled with the Holy Spirit. What are we going to do? Self-righteousness is assuming that God thinks the same way that you do. But God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Humility invites promotion. And mantles of ministry often come with requests. I don't know who I'm saying that for this morning, but mantles of ministry often come with requests. What I mean is, there was a mantle for reaching Gentile believers that became available because Cornelius had a vision. And can I just tell you this? That vision that Cornelius had is still happening today. Predominantly in the Muslim world. That there are, there are many Muslims that will come and they'll hear the gospel. And the reason they're there, the reason they're sneaking at the risk of persecution and coming into a church or listening to a preacher of the gospel is because they've had a vision of a man in white and they need to find out who he is. Sounds distinctly like what happened to Cornelius. God's still working in the dark and he's working in ways that, that maybe we don't perceive. I just, I want to sow this seed into you this morning that God is working in people that humanly speaking, you don't think it's possible. I know we don't say that out loud, but sometimes we're just like, I don't know if that person will ever get saved. I mean, they're just so anti-God, anti-church, anti-Christ. They're so rude and crude and whatever. And if we're not careful, we can develop a mindset like the church in Jerusalem had of like, yeah, not people like that. So then why even bother? Because people like that, it's just, you know, throwing my pearls to swine, just casting the seed into the thorns. See how we can spiritualize it? But when God is working in the shadows and he starts to say to you, hey, I'm nudging somebody toward me over here, our job isn't to educate God on our perspective. Our job is to partner with him 
and respond in obedience. That's what Peter did. He responded in obedience. And there was a mantle of ministry to the Gentiles that was available. And I'd like to suggest to you that Peter touched that mantle. He was the first to step into it. And he went to Cornelius' house and he saw a huge harvest. And yet it was a harvest he wasn't excited about. But news of it spread. And, and Acts chapter 11 verse 18 says that the council there in Jerusalem, they were like, okay, well, if those guys receive the Holy Spirit, then who are we to argue? Okay, God did it. And honestly, the, it seems that the perspective was like, weird, what a crazy one-off. <laughs> I guess God wanted a handful of Italians in the church. <laughs> like, it's just this, they're looking at it like, there you go. Well, did, been there, done that. And those who opposed it, the, the, the news rippled, and then they investigated, and they checked, and like, well, they're still uncircumcised, but I guess, what can we say? They're filled with the Holy Spirit, too. I don't, let's not make a habit of this. <laughs> and the news spreads beyond, and that's where we find ourselves in the next verses in Acts chapter 11, is some believers in Antioch heard what Peter did, at Cornelius' house. And they started doing the same thing. And they started talking to Greeks. And they, talk, they started talking to people from Cyrene. And they started talking to people and realized God was meeting all kinds of people in all kinds of... God was working in the hearts of people that we didn't think he was working in. Am I talking to anybody this morning? God's working in people that maybe you think he couldn't or wouldn't or doesn't. I'm telling you, he is. And what he's looking for is some people who won't just touch the mantle. I don't know about you, but I want to be like Barnabas, who didn't just touch the mantle, but he was like, I'm grabbing hold of this mantle. And he's like, I'm going to go get my buddy Saul, and we're coming back, and we're planting ourselves in this church. And I'm going to call some of my prophet friends, and we're planting ourselves in this because we want to go into all the world. And what we ended up on last week as we were talking about ministering to the Lord, while they were ministering to the Lord, what did the Holy Spirit say? He said, set aside Saul and Barnabas for the ministry I've called them to. That was the beginning of Paul's apostolic ministry. So Peter touched the mantle. Barnabas laid hold of it. And Paul went nuclear with it. Paul planted 13 churches, wrote 13 books in the New Testament. God just put this grace in him. And this guy who was a Pharisee of the Pharisees and totally understood Jewish tradition and objections, abandoned zeroing in just there and became the apostle to the Gentiles because the day of small beginnings ought not be despised. God's working in ways that we can't see. Guys, I did it. It's 11.01. Okay. Stand up if you would. I want to I pray into this this morning because I want to pray that God will help us catch up with his Holy Spirit. Because this is what I believe. I believe that God by his Spirit is right now working in people that perhaps we're not, not perhaps, God's working in people that we, we're not thinking he is. Some people that maybe we have, maybe they've, maybe they've touched his grace and they've wandered. Or, or maybe, maybe um, we've shared with them and they've been really defiant and really opposed. Or maybe the lifestyle that they're in is so anti-Christ that if we're not careful, we're like, well, they're just, they're uncircumcised. It, it can't work for them. But God works in the dark. 
And here's the deal. When the Holy Spirit falls on people, the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is He's the Holy Spirit and we're not. He'll do the convicting. He'll do the converting. We do the discipling. But we partner with Him while He's at work. And there are people right now, God's at work in some Corneliuses in your life. The, the disruption in this world is unsettling people financially, geopolitically. The sense of uncertainty about the future and, and all of the things that are just kind of rumbling around us. Without the anchor of who Jesus is, they're being tossed like a ship on the sea or like what Jesus looked at the people who were without him and said they're like sheep without a shepherd and today I feel like the Lord wants to release a grace in us to catch up with his Holy Spirit that the day of small beginnings could it be could it be that there's people that you're thinking of nah not them and God's like oh no absolutely them I'm working in them I'm speaking to them I'm nudging them I'm giving them dreams I'm giving them visions I'm just looking. He's working in Cornelius. He's just looking for some obedient Peter, like a, someone who will actually go and say, God, use, use me. So I believe there's a gift of faith that's available. If you want to receive that, I want you to just lift your hands today, and we're going to pray into it. Pray for that grace to be received. I, I actually believe this is what the Lord's doing in this room right now. He's putting people in your mind, people in your heart, Someone you're thinking of right now, it's not by accident, but God's just dropping them into your heart and your mind that you could actually begin to have focused faith, not general faith. Focused faith that, Lord, you could work in them. You could work in my brother. You could work in my sister. You could work in that coworker. You could, you can do it, God. I know you can, but I'm looking for it. I'm anticipating it. I'm asking you for it. Father, I pray right now for a gift of faith to come on this church family. That we would not despise the small beginnings of little steps and little nudges towards obedience in the way that you're moving in the world around us. Father, I pray that we would not judge by what we see with our eyes or hear with our ears, but that, Lord, we would spiritually move into our world with radical obedience. I'm asking God for obedience like Peter had but I'm asking God that it would it would like dominoes it would grow in us to be like the faith that Barnabas had grow in us to be like the faith that the Apostle Paul had that God we would be those who look at the world with eyes of compassion see Lord the lost not as the enemy but see the lost as those harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd I'm asking God that today you'd release a faith and a grace for evangelistic obedience. Come on, stretch your hands up good and high. If you're just, you're taking that from the Lord, it's available. We want it. We want that, Lord. We, we confess that you're working in the dark. You're working, Lord, in ways that we haven't perceived now, but we're asking, give us perception. Give us eyes of faith. And help us, oh God, to walk in obedience and to go into our world. Father, we confess today that our prayers are powerful. And right now, we're going to name some people by name. 
Would you do that? Just begin to name some people by name all over this room. I want you to get a, at least two people on, on your lips. I want you to name them before heaven and say, God, I'm asking you to work in them today. I'm looking for your activity in them. Might be a coworker, might be a family member. Would you go ahead and name some names in the presence of the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're not giving up, God. And we thank you, Lord, that you're lifting blinders off of our eyes and helping us to see the way that you see. Father, we're praying in this day of revival that the harvest would come in, in Jesus' name. And that, Lord, you would send us into our world with a vision and faith to see those Corneliuses filled with the Holy Spirit. Give us vision and give us faith, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Listen, if you need to go, we want to release you to go. Have an amazing week. We'd also love to open the altar for more prayer. If you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, we would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here and you need to give your life to Jesus. Don't leave until you've prayed with somebody confessing your faith in the Lord with somebody that can agree with you. Pray for anything at all. We would love to do that. And if you need to go be blessed, have an amazing week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information on who we are, visit our website at lakebound.ca or download our app for your mobile device. 